La 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 la. It's another podcore slobcast. And I'm on the porch right now. Sitting with my pal Austin. What is up? Nothing much. <laughs> Just hanging on the porch with a beautiful view. Uh-huh. And some duct taped herbs tied ooh, ooh, to the ooh. view. Kind of in my way, but it's really nice. <laughs> I don't yeah, have anything yeah. up to rhyme with nice <laughs> other than slice. What rhymes with And we just had rice oh, with some Trader Joe's orange chicken. We did, yeah. Quick uh, lightning <laughs> round. Give that orange chicken a rating t- out of 10. Out of 10? Um, Tonight specifically. Ooh. You know what? I'm going to give it a little bit higher than I usually would. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with 7.5. Three. Wow. Uh, 7.2. Yeah. 7, 7. I think that's great. 7.25. I, I like the way that it wasn't overly sloppy with the sauce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it a little bit. I like to have the crispness to it. So yeah. hats off to the chef. Hats off. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I um. I see your hat's still on while you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so is <laughs> it truly off? <laughs> We're not... <laughs> We're just doing semantics. I don't even know if you actually really mean it. No, I think that's the perfect score. Seven two five, a hundred percent. What I was gonna pick for it. So good on you. <laughs> really? um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get more. You get much more agreeable when you're on a podcast. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh no, you've learned my secret. <laughs> um, uh, no. By the way, can I borrow ten dollars? <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> um, no, I think the Trader Joe's orange chicken, it's one of the best. And for the price, like unbeatable. I have it's a little more tangy than um Panda Express. A little more vinegar. Been to Panda in so yeah. long. But I also haven't been a trader ho in so long. But now that I'm in the neighborhood, dude. I am yes. on board, fully yes. on board. It's so nice to have like something really basic and quick mm-hmm. as like a main thing, and then you can just make something like on a side. Oh yeah, to accompany it, that's like a little bit better. Oh yeah, um, and it's been a lifesaver in some some dire moments where I am not in the mental space to make food. Oh my gosh, seriously, for yeah, yeah for working men in our twenties, it's like. It's a godsend. Yeah, I, that's the problem is <laughs> I'm a working man in my 20s. <laughs> oh, the trials <laughs> that I have to overcome. <laughs> Can't cook my Trader Joe's food. Yeah, I, I've been loving it. Uh, we live pretty close together, and the one in the neighborhood is great. I honestly don't get there as much as I want to. Like, it's right over there. But it's I don't know. Close. I'm I'm pretty loyal to Winco. I go with my aunt pretty much oh, every week. Oh yeah, you are a Winco dude, <laughs> yeah. which I love. <laughs> don't you even have like Winco swag? I do. I do. I have a Winco bag. I have a Costco sweatshirt. And oh, I think that's what I was thinking of. I have seen there's a Winco shirt that I've been meaning to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's on the list. You, I don't know what a trader. <laughs> what's the equivalent of a Winco? Winco oh, ho. Well, I'm a Winco ho. Hundred yeah. percent. Got trader hoes and Winco hoes. <laughs> yeah, there's a massive battle. Why does I, everything end with a O? <laughs> trader Joe's, Winco, Costco, Costco, 
Fred Meyero. Okay, okay, yeah, maybe it's just those three that are. You know, I hate Safeway though, and especially the Safeway near here. Partially because I worked there. It was where oh, I okay, worked. Okay, it's personal. Yeah, it's personal. <laughs> um, and I it was like after I opened, I worked there. It was after freshman year of college. I was working the seafood counter, meat and seafood. Yeah, the closing shift too. Oh, that's it was weird. They made us wear a tie, even though we wore like the big smock over it. We had to wear pants and a tie. I was so seafood furious. Is fancy. Yeah, it was so. <laughs> wait, dumb. wait, wait. Did like the people in the meat department and like other? Did anybody else have to wear ties, or is it just yeah, the seafood? It, it was me and seafood because like oh, okay. the areas connected. But I was yeah. a closer, so I was like running both of them late at night. There was like another shirt you could technically wear without a tie, but you had to buy their specific shirt. And I wasn't allowed to get it till I'd worked there a couple months. Oh so fucking dumb. That job sucked. Fuck you, Safeway. <laughs> yeah. That job, I got it. I was like trying to find a job for like a month when I came back and I was struggling. I worked at Subway for five total days. You're, an, and you're a sandwich the, artist? I was a sandwich artist, but the problem was I was an on-call sandwich artist. So there was no schedule. I didn't know until like I noon. On call so subway bad. sandwich artist. <laughs> yeah. That's they should give me a pager. But it was like so <laughs> stressful because it was over two weeks. I only worked five days. But every single day I didn't know if I was gonna work. And then at like noon I'd be like, Okay, I'm probably not gonna work. And then a couple times they still called me in. Was it just like uh somebody called out or had some sort of issue, or was it like no, we're slammed. There was just no schedule for anyone. Like some of the people who had been there a while kind of knew when they were working. But the manager, she owns like most of the subways around Southwest Portland. Yeah. It's just awful. Was that the worst job that you had? Uh, probably. Yeah. Well, so I wish I could have stayed at Subway. If they had a schedule, I would have because they had tips. And I also got a free six inch every four hours. <laughs> And that was sick. I I like Subway's kind of gnarly, but I fucking love it. And especially I could make whatever I wanted. What was the sandwich go to for you? Um, when I was there and capitalizing on I can just make this for free, I did like a quadruple cheesesteak. I did so much meat on that. It was it was real nice. <laughs> it was real nice. Let me tell oh you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that sounds like a lot. Yeah, on the gut. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got to there. Oh, we we're just talking about grocery stores. Grocery stores. I love stores. grocery stores. I'm a grocery yeah. store whore. I I like them all. I love checking out new ones. I love going to different um, ethnicity grocery stores. I'm just all about it. Yeah. I like popping into ones where I have no idea what the name is. Yeah. Because I don't speak the language. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I can't speak with anybody there. But like, I'll buy the cheapest stuff available that I have no idea what it is and then bring it home and then I'll have like one bite of it. And I was like, oh, that is not at all what I thought it was. (laughs) That is something I still have no idea what it is, but it probably should have been prepared in some sort of way. Totally, totally. (laughs) It was actually awesome. A a bit ago, me, Evan, and Lennon did sushi. And so we all went to Wajimaya. Love it. And going to Wajimaya with Lennon, who's Japanese, was so cool because like, I already love that, and it's so fun to like look at the stuff and try and be respectful, not be like a gawky. Oh my gosh, gross! But still, I'm like yeah. this fucking white guy who doesn't know all this shit. Yeah. So going with Lenin was awesome. Highly recommend. 
thank you, Lennon, for being the local translator yep, yep. <laughs> instead of me having to go to Wajimaya and be really embarrassing about taking out my phone and then using Google Translate to learn what's on the back. Yep. yep. <laughs> Lennon, please go with me to Wajimaya. I'm so sorry that we're bringing this up. But anyway. <laughs> nah, I'm sure it's great. Uh, Lennon, you rock. Um, speaking of Lennon, Lennon along with me you, you and I went to Jackson Middle School. Sorry for doxing us. I guess it's done. <laughs> What's done is done. You gotta um, do it. And so, Austin, I like to start every podcast. We've had some great banner. We made it far before I asked this question. But I like to start every podcast with a bit of a Bryn origin story. And now that can be very loose because as we were talking about before, it's hard to remember specific things yeah, that happened the, in middle school. Each year that goes by, I... Yeah. Remember it a little bit less totally. about middle school. And you and I, like, we were, like, cool. Yeah. But I don't think we were, like, super close or had, like, no. a bunch of close classes. No. But, yeah, we, uh, like, never really had any classes together. Yeah. Um. So I don't really have uh maybe an origin story. Totally. Do you remember when I went to Australia? Like, was that talked about in eighth grade? Because I, I, at least when I came back, I was a little bit tan and I had Australia stories and pictures of holding a koala yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, no, no, that was, was, that was big. That was big. That was huge. That yeah. was huge. Um, <laughs> anyway, I interrupted. But yeah, we, I mean, we already knew each other by that point. So if it, yeah. I was still comfortable asking about koalas. Totally. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I I think it's kind of two-part in the, in the way that both, I'd say that, you and I not to toot my own horn, yeah. but like to compliment you yeah. was and is to this day, like just a genuine person, Thank like you. feeling no intimidation to approach you at any time in the most friendly Aww. and loving of ways. Wow. Yeah. I've just always Appreciate felt that. like really comfortable around you and, uh, yeah, just a genuine, nice human being, which you don't find very often in middle school. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> That's kind of hard to find. Totally. So, yeah, you definitely stuck out in that way. Yeah. Um, And then also, like, I think one of the harder parts about finding an origin story for me is that, like, in middle school to this day, uh -huh. forever, forever, I've kind of always been, like, I've never really had my group totally know? it's always been like i'm friendly with everybody yeah um but generally kind of do my own thing i definitely had like uh stronger ties to some mm -hmm. groups of people sure but still was like kind of just bobbing around yeah friendly with a lot of people but not yeah. like super close no i feel you there um i always like i definitely was part of different friend groups and mainly that was just like trying to be cool with everyone. And then you kind of end up hanging out with some people more. Yeah. But also like friend group stuff always stressed me out. Like when I was a kid, there was a couple years I had multiple friend birthdays because I was just so scared to like merge people together because people <laughs> generally like me, but then yeah. people don't like each other. Yeah. And feeling like managing that. Mm -hmm. um, I so think yeah. I had the opposite problem. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to plan three birthdays yeah. or whatever. So I'm just going to put them all together and hope it works. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. <laughs> Sometimes it worked and yeah. it like brought people together. Uh -huh. um, and then other times it, it did not. Totally. <laughs> it was like, damn, this is awkward. 
<laughs> oh man. Um, well, yeah, I definitely thinking back to middle school. I always thought you, you were just similarly like, damn, Austin's like a cool, friendly guy. Thank you. And it is kind of funny looking back because you having that perspective of me, that was not my own perspective of myself. Yeah. Like, especially in middle school, I feel like I started to feel like the different like social hierarchies forming, forming totally. and just like generally being in sixth grade, you don't have high self-worth. No, um, not at all. And so it's it's been really refreshing to like talking to people about like growing up and like reconnecting and being like, oh, wait, no, I was just like had low self-esteem like many do. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's can't it's say so the same. Yeah, back. no, it's like interesting to hear what other people's perspective and then your own mind tells yeah. you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my mind was so far off. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, totally. Oh, I don't. Oh, puberty really did me bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I think honestly, you specifically, it's interesting because you we didn't go to the same high school. No. And so you you went to Lincoln, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in some ways, like the memories of Austin, like. It's just like, oh, yeah, Austin was cool in middle school. And then we, like, see each other as adults. It's like, whoa, shit. Austin's still cool. What We're do you know? full-fledged humans yeah, now. Yeah, totally. Um, but actually, I got to tell you this. Sometimes, especially in the last few years, especially hanging out with Evan, like, we always reminisce about, like, going through school and stuff. Yeah. And one of the, like, memes that's come up in our friend and, like, me, Evan, and Lennon. I'm so scared right it, No, now. you're good. We what would is talk. That? What is going to come up? <laughs> we would talk about who were the middle school pimps. And so this is Say us pimps? just thinking pimps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> us oh, just no. thinking. And not pimps in the way that, like, oh, no. it's talking, like, sex work and there's, like, yeah, that yeah. shit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But just, like, who was cool? Yeah. And you were... Definitely a candidate on the middle school pimps. <laughs> and so this is me tooting your horn. No. And I know we've kind of talked about similar stuff. Um, and <laughs> well, it's, I think if anything points to young young Austin being a pimp was uh-huh. I, oh, there was a movie that went out uh-huh. where, oh God, I hate this so much. <laughs> We can uh, cut this part. I if mean, you like, want. I no, 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 no. This is great. This is this is gold. Yep. Oh god. Um, there's a movie that went out in sixth grade. I don't really remember which one it was. Uh huh. But one of the characters had a belt. Uh huh. That was like a digital. Uh, it was like a digital belt that you could like put stuff on, and oh, it would like go across. I remember those. It would go across the belt, and you would you could like put different messages yeah, on it, like yeah. a, some sort of billboard yeah. type or scoreboard <laughs> kind of thing. Oh god! And I got one of those just because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> and now looking back, in like what I put on that belt, I'm not even gonna go into what I put on the belt because it's so yeah. dumb. Is like what is 2006, it, what is, 2007 what is humor. Twelve year old gonna put on that? It's yeah. not gonna be great. <laughs> I have a couple ideas. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, that was that was pimping, dog. That was super that pimping, was and that cements your status. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up until we're twenty years old, <laughs> talking about it. I don't remember back. where that belt went. Yeah, dang. If anybody has that belt out there, please was, let me know. Was that a Spencer's gift purchase? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it was Spencer's. Yeah, it feels very Spencer's. I think I had to find that one deep in deep in the web. Yeah, but it does feel very Spencer's. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Well, what? What were you up to in middle school? Because it's like, it's so interesting. I don't know. For me, it just seems like a fucking blur. 
I remember like Bridgeport Village just opened up. We went to the movies there all the time with some like some of my pals in middle school. We were playing airsoft. I what were you doing? Was definitely playing a lot of soccer. That was Ooh, pretty much that. Yeah. I, I was a soccer kid. Right. I mean, even my my AIM name was like <laughs> I guess Barca boy because I was <laughs> like Barcelona. I was still kind of obsessed with Barcelona, but like, yeah. to a different extent Hell than yeah. I was when I was <laughs> thirteen years old. Where I was like, I don't even care about girls. I just want to watch this soccer. This is the identity. Yep. Um, and yeah, that was that was kind of everything that yeah. took up a lot of my weekends. Um, to where. Yeah, I think my a lot of my closest friends come from that. Oh, totally. Uh, from that time of my life of like playing soccer, because I mean that's what. Looking back on it, like I'm a fairly thin human being. Yeah. And now that like I'm an adult and can fix my own schedule how I want to, uh-huh. and also like okay, I gotta take care of myself and be active to some extent. And realizing how much we put kids through yeah. in terms of sports yeah. at a very young age uh-huh. is insane. It really is. Like I would practice three times a week and then play games, what, two or three times on uh-huh. the weekend. Yeah. And tracking that up to like mileage ran is you're running especially if you're like doing a conditioning practice or something yeah. like that, you're running five miles per practice. So that's 15 Gosh. at the minimum Yeah, plus another 10 on the weekend. That's a lot of miles on a young body. That's trying to grow seriously. And so I'm trying to grow and my mom's like paranoid about how thin I am <laughs> and just pushing down like, whole milk and oil <laughs> and she's like you got it we got to fatten this kid up <laughs> and then now looking back i'm like no wonder i was so skinny like right. i was constantly pushing my oh body my to yeah. uncomfortable places yeah. and not being able to put on any weight with muscle or or fat right yeah because you were doing select soccer right that's what it was called like you were doing more like club stuff yeah we like would travel and stuff yeah like that it was definitely for people who were taking it seriously and wanted to go totally uh play in college or play professionally or whatever yeah. even though i mean that thins off as you get older right well no i was i was literally just talking about this to someone last night where it's like in america specifically so much of us like burn out of sports because like for a lot of people yeah. high school is where you finish it and like high school sports experience is gonna be so intense that it's like you don't do it as an adult and it's like harder to organize and stuff. Yeah. And there's like a lot of a lot of shit around that. A lot of shit around it. And I've recently like I definitely did get burnt out to yeah. a point to where like in high school it, it changes especially like for me by the time I was a freshman in high school the conversation switches to okay how are you going to get into college yeah how are you going to use this to get in college yeah and that's intense. if you are worried about finances for college and then you're playing a sport 
that could potentially change yeah. your life to get into a different college that mm-hmm. would like, yeah, change your stars essentially. It changes the game that you love into a job. Yep. And that's then tough. you can begin to resent it. And then if you have any struggles, then that's on your mind. And then it's just, it's psychological warfare. Yeah. If you're not just having this God given talent that like totally. is <laughs> sur- like surpasses everybody else. Like right. if you're having to work really, really hard, which most people do. Yeah. To get to the point that like you can go to a school that will pay you to do that, which everybody's like dream is to do that. Totally. It's not sustainable. Right. For so many people. Yeah. And it's just mean. It's yeah. mean. Oh yeah. It really, well, yeah. And and just at the end of the day, only so many people are going to play college and or sports in college. And then so few are going to go on to be professional. Yeah. But it's like minuscule percentages. It's yeah. So much sport culture in America is not about like enjoying the ride and just having fun. One thing that my mom pointed to me was this documentary um, on HBO about sports Mm -hmm. and essentially that it was the only unifying culture in the United States. Yeah. Wow. And that one hit. Yeah. I was like, I believe it. That is probably the only thing that i because i mean i think i don't know i like to think about cultures and oh me too uh understand why groups of people act in different ways and what's the unifying things what are the differentiations yeah and sports i mean i'm totally by i'm incredibly biased Mm -hmm. (laughs) given that like i grew up in a sport culture yeah but like yeah that is one of the things that I, i can go anywhere in the United States and talk about sports to something and yep. somebody has some sort of story that like hits them to their core. Totally. Sports. Oh my gosh. For real. Especially in America. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Cause I fucking, I love sports. I really watch fewer and fewer, like even the blazers have sucked the last couple of years. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've found out how much of a band, I'm not a bandwagon fan, but I'm I just am. like you guys. I am absolutely. Y'all haven't earned my attention right now. I'm fair weather. <laughs> fair weather. That's yeah, it. That's for it. For sure. Yep. <laughs> when we make it to the first playoff game, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> and then we're when we're out of the first playoff game, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> or the first playoff round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's so much. Just the way that like whatever your extracurricular in like middle school and high school is, just determines so much about your experience and like who your friends are going to be like the people you're spending your time around. Yeah. And yeah, it is. It's interesting uh, for sure. I was glad like I played football in lacrosse in high school, but I never, especially when I was in middle school, there's videos of me playing soccer. I didn't know how to run. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of glad I was never super good. Yeah. And then like I did kind of hit my stride like junior, senior year. And I felt like I was pretty good, but I never had soccer or just like playing sports in general. I moved to football Seventh yeah, grade, I broke my yeah. arm, and oh. so I played football in oh, eighth yeah, grade because yeah. I couldn't play soccer with an, a cast. Yeah, which that pissed me <laughs> off, but it was like some liability thing. So yeah, that would hurt. I, I jumped ship to football. I started lacrosse in sixth grade, but uh, did anyway. that stick? Did you only play in sixth grade? No, lacrosse. I would say lacrosse was my main sport. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I actually was the MVP of Wilson High School across senior wah, wah, year. Wah. Can you put in some sound effects right here? Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was the face-off guy. And senior year, I was actually the in the worst shape of the four years because I was living in London like up until the season started. But I just do the face-offs and then get off and wait till the next face-off. And I was just going against the <laughs> Call in the ringer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and literally, it's I, I love bragging about this because I um was going against like Lincoln guys, OES guys, Jesuit guys who like yeah. would do like summer face-off training and work with the pros and shit. Yeah. And they had like super good reflexes and all the different techniques. But I was just kind of a thick like football player too. And I would just like be super physical and like use my big ass to box them out. Hell yeah. And so my win percentage was like pretty high. And so I think that's why I got MVP. Um, but I love bragging about that. I was just like pushing around those little pit squeaks. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to Lincoln. So I understand who you're pushing <laughs> yes, around. Yes. And <laughs> fuck yeah. Push them around. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> yes. I, I believe that. Uh, Lincoln High Lacrosse players? No way. <laughs> no way there were some issues there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love them. Great. They're oh, great. Sure. They're listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. Love you. <laughs> no, you were my enemies. But you you guys kicked my ass they're every enemies time. To everybody they else. They were so good. That's Dude, why yeah. they hated them. Yeah. Oh, they man. Were, they were something else. Yep. Yeah, that is funny. Um, yeah. Do you have? Do you want to tell any of those Jackson stories? Which Jacksons? No, the ones you were telling me beforehand. You don't need to. But if we want to just wrap up Jackson, we can get into the get into the thickets, get, get into, into the, the weeds. crux of it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've talked about yeah. middle school enough. Oh, totally. Could probably. Pass it on to something else. Yep. Hello to all you, our middle school classmates that are listening. Love you. We love you. Not too many people listen to the podcast. You don't need to be too worried. But as I did yeah. promise you before, this it's episode's going to go huge and we're going to become famous. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, Austin. I'll prep for that. Yeah. One of the reasons, I guess this is the sequel to your slob core from oh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And in that slob core for the, the Brin completionists... You may remember we did a seaweed fish tacos. Um, so, Austin, could you just uh, expand upon that? We did. Um, and so one thing that I think has really connected us, um, mm-hmm. along with a lot of other people who are probably listening to this, yeah, yeah. is just the general appreciation for food. and Completely. Uh, Everybody has their own different style and different histories with food. And I have found uh, it's not even really food. It's part it's partial food. <laughs> um, but I have found a lot of pat or my own passion with coastal ecosystems mm-hmm. and seaweeds in particular. Um, so I yeah, we Came over here to get on, like the. It's not a podcast, but yep. Po- uh, Slopcore Kitchen. Slopcore Kitchen. Yep. Make some uh, fish tacos with some different ways of like things that I've learned on how to use seaweed in in cooking. Yeah. Um, so made some fish tacos with some tilapia, some freshwater tilapia, <laughs> um, where I. Crusted it in the in 
dulse, which is a type of seaweed, mm-hmm. uh, and dulse flakes. And so these flakes soak up. So it's just dried flakes. So it yeah. dries up the outside of the filet, takes out a little bit of, or takes out the moisture, yeah. and then just kind of leaves a little bit Dude. of a more smoky, seaweedy taste. Yeah. And then that way, I leave that overnight. Like a dry brine almost. Yeah. It's very similar to like uh, salted yeah. cod or something yeah. like that, like that kind of preparation. Um, And it's also, it's a way, it's, it's a way that a lot of people in sushi will oh, cool. cure fish where it's called kombu jime, mm. where they take this kelp uh, leaf frond, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then they wrap the filet in kombu and then, which is kelp in Japanese. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, it soaks up a little bit of the moisture and then kind of cooks it that way. But if you actually do want to cook it, cook it, then it is, makes it really nice and crispy on the outside. So Ooh, fish tacos yeah. are better that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was fun. And then we also Super threw fun. in some some kelp into a little coleslaw. Mm-hmm. And then threw that on top. I'd say it was pretty good. It was good. Yeah. yeah. And when we were uh, cooking that up, we just got talking and you were kind of telling me about like, your connection with seaweed and it was then it was like okay dude this has to be a podcast cause yeah because we're not gonna like I, I you can't got just, so much to say i love it i can't just uh be like yeah i like seaweed yep. <laughs> like, no. yeah yeah <laughs> i there's a there's a whole like creation story kind of thing where uh-huh. i've just found that uh seaweed is connected into so many things that i'm interested in yeah um that I was like, yeah, this is the thing that I'm attaching my identity to, <laughs> I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess. Where do I, where do I get started? Yeah, I guess I want to know. Maybe it could just be how you like first, either like your first experiences with it or what, what first really got you interested because you said it has a bit like yeah, there's a bit like familial going on, right? I guess so. Um, in terms of like my relationship to the Oregon coast, it definitely started with my grandparents uh-huh. who have been really tied to the Southern Oregon coast. Wow. Um, they like my grandfather had a fish hatchery down on the Southern Oregon coast, uh, have history of commercial fishing and, yeah. uh, also history in the timber industry, just like classic Oregonian. Cla- yeah, totally. Like this is what the state is built on. Yeah. It's like salmon and timber. Yep. And that's kind of it. <laughs> and, uh, so that was my family background of just like being super aware of natural resources uh-huh. that are in Oregon. Um, and having everything be really fresh, uh, like, I don't think I've, I hate eating salmon that's not caught by my grandparents or somebody that I know. I'm such a little, I'm such a little brat (laughs) when it comes to that. Um, but then like it also highlighted, okay, where is all of our food coming from? If it's not my grandparents, then I don't, I have no idea. And that felt so uncomfortable to me. Totally. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes. Like when I'm 
growing up and making my own food, I'm like, hey, where are all my ingredients coming from? Yeah. And then also just my general passion for being out at the coast because who doesn't love oh being out at the coast? The Oregon coast is something special. So beautiful. And also another like little side story yeah. about that <laughs> is because when I was growing up, I was like mostly on the Southern Oregon coast. Right. And you go out to a beach and there's like maybe one person. Yeah. It's oh, just, totally. Other than that, it's just you and this like beautiful coastline. Yeah. And I thought that's what was normal. Uh, you I were thought spoiled. I was so spoiled. <laughs> and so like the first time I went up to like Cannon Beach, yeah. maybe when I was like 10 or, yeah. or something. And there's all these other people. Get back onto it. Hello, hello. We are back. A little battery running out on the pod. Um, but I love it. I'm on a podcast. We're having technical difficulties. (laughs) This is awesome. We're upping the realism. I always load it. What if I always loaded it with half full batteries? So I just (laughs) always like get the experience. (laughs) We're really doing it, guys. (laughs) Um, Well, Austin, I think uh, when the battery died, you were just telling us about how you're spoiled always going to Southern Oregon beaches. With yeah. no crowds yeah. and then going to Cannon for the first time. Yeah. So we can pick up. Oh, Seaside was there. a different beast oh as well. Oh my gosh. I was like, what is this culture? I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> so anybody that likes Seaside, I'm sorry. But yeah. it's a terrible place to be. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my least favorite places on this coast. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was just, I was a spoiled little brat. Yeah. And grew up just like taking the boat out to the bay and uh-huh. grabbing some crab and yes. then bringing it back on oh, to like a dude. spit and boiling yes. it right there with some bread and some butter. Dungeoness straight out the Pacific Ooh, on the Oregon coast. Dungeoness? Yeah, man. Dungeoness. How Lock do you pronounce Ness. it? Dungeoness? Dungeoness. That's, <laughs> I say things weird. <laughs> no, um, I like that way. Dungeoness, it makes it, sound it feels a little fancier. I have my pinky out when I say that. <laughs> dungeoness. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like those kind of experience definitely forms. Oh my god, like, totally. Uh, who I am and what I care about and what I am just what's what I think is normal. Yeah, obviously, sure. And I was like, other people should feel like this is normal. Yeah, because then I go out to seaside and I'm like, you guys have never, <laughs> right, right. You have never experienced a beach with your own. Like, yeah, that's so personal, artificial, intimate compared to what you got. Oh yeah, and so that's kind of been growing up in Portland, but having that experience as like core formational memories. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I just want to introduce more people to this kind of thing. Um, That's beautiful. And then how seaweed kind of like fit into all of that Uh uh, was, I guess I'm not skipping. I'm I'm not getting into seaweed yet. Okay. Uh, is like okay. I've always been really interested in anthropology, sociology, how mm-hmm. people work. Yep. I've always felt like I kind of have like an ear for like why and how cultures work. Yeah. Um. So I was like, oh, let's leverage this strength, and I enjoy using it, and so let's learn more about it, and. Then also having the background of like, this is where my food comes from. 
then I'm like, okay, where's culture coming from? And how does food interplay with that? Yeah. And I'm looking at all these other cultures. I've been fortunate enough to to travel a bit and Mm -hmm. like there's some family friends in Spain. Oh, fun. And like just getting to hear the rich culture of like what food means to them. And then also everybody understands their natural resources so well. Oh, yeah. That that forms so many parts of their culture. Sure. Like the land informs how they behave because it's from time and millennia that Mm -hmm. they've like, we depend on this. And so that, informs how we behave with each other yeah and it informs like what foods we value and all these other things totally and in the u.s it's like mcdonald's like yeah it's like we're very disconnected so much disconnect but we've like displaced all of these cultures that have all of this knowledge of land and what it means to be connected to this land i'm like okay what does it mean to be here and so uh, I just kind of, I guess, gone on my own journey of relearning a lot of things that have already been learned by so many cultures before. Sure. Which is really sad. Yeah. And then also I think there's an aspect of like, I could, I don't know. I think there's like maybe a little bit of, <laughs> maybe a little bit of white guilt in there uh-huh. of like, I want to relearn all of these cultures that have been right completely desecrated totally and then now i can't find or like relate to the cultures that have been here for Mm -hmm. so long yeah anyway i get that (laughs) white guilt (laughs) white guilt uh tangent there i I think it is cool and i think would be appreciated though how you're championing like being more connected and like learning about that so yeah yeah. and i mean i just want to know like okay if i'm gonna live here and be here with the people around me what does it actually mean and Mm -hmm. be connected because really i just want like an intimate connection yeah like i did with the coast down by myself (laughs) rather (laughs) than having like these weird laffy taffy experiences (laughs) in seaside um like that's uh, not that's not right. Like yeah. Laffy Taffy did not come from. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not a norm. Um, so then I just like um, kind of went back to the land for yeah. a better, or for lack of a better term. Sure. Um, and maybe back in like 2018, kind of had a little bit more free time mm-hmm. being an adult and like okay, I want to forage more. Um. And then got more into like, okay, what are the environments like, especially at the coast, because that's just where I like to be the most. Yeah. And then I'm going to start dropping a rap here because that rhymed. Um, <laughs> Not the most with the coast. <laughs> just sounded good. Um, and so then like growing up, my grandfather would like, and still does except now the tides have kind of changed where he would uh-huh. like quiz me he's like okay what's this what's oh, this wow. and we'd like go on a hike and be like what's this plant what's this plant that's so cool and now like when we go on a hike or a walk or uh-huh. whatever now i'm quizzing him a little bit fun. more we kind of go back and forth fun. so it's a fun it's a fun thing to do uh to stay in, like engaged with yeah. with my family yeah um 
anyway, I just learned more and more about like each species that's on the coast, how it's doing. There's so many things that are on our coast that are happening that uh-huh. it is scary. Yeah. And from that fear kind of like alerted me like, oh, people, I want to, I want people to know about what's happening on the coast already. Mm-hmm. And then if it's something that is scary, like, um, our kelp forests kind of disappearing on, on the Oregon coast, right. which is like the habitat for so many little critters that then mm-hmm. feed up the food chain. And it's just like, oh, that's entire ecosystem collapse. Yeah. If that happens. Which is not what you want. Not what I want. And especially like if I want to have that relationship and it'll right? just die essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's where I was like, okay, if seaweed is not doing well as an ecosystem mm-hmm. because of different factors, um, which I'll go, okay, I'm going to go into the factors. Please, I was like, please. What's, what's happening? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, it's a couple different things that have been interconnected and now are failing and we're seeing mm-hmm. the outcomes finally from that. So right. uh, on the Oregon coast or from really Baja up to Alaska, there's mm-hmm. this, there's all these kelp forests that line the coast. Right. And they play their habitats to fish and shellfish and all of these different things. And it's a thing that draws out carbon, cools the water and, makes everything cleaner it's just everything to make right. a habitat a habitat it's like the anchor of yeah the ecosystem and uh so back in the 1800s mm-hmm. people just wiped out sea otters wow from like for the fur the further fur for the fur trade yeah. yeah yeah um and that was a species that is a keystone species right that overlooks like all of these different herb or not herbivores grazers um on the coastal ecosystem uh-huh. so with that not in check it can really cause a lot of havoc when things can just have like a boom or bust year right right and so that having no sea otters on the california oregon coast up to washington ish mm-hmm. super dangerous and then Recently, because of warming sea temperatures, I believe, like right. I don't think they've actually They're made, still trying made to the, find exactly made the what's exact happening. correlation yeah. right. or causation of the sea, sea star wasting events where oh, shit. these huge sunflower sea stars that are just like- like, are those? They're like as big as my. They have like a million huge. little legs too around uh, the edge. Yeah, a million. Um, <laughs> they're, they're like I don't know. I actually don't know how many arms yeah. or legs they have. Um, but it's more than your typical sea star. Yeah. That's five. Yeah, it looks um, like an, a crude illustration of the sun, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And those are also things that keep. They're bigger than your regular sea stars, yeah. so they're like way more adept at keeping grazers in check mm-hmm. those all die Oof. big old white blobs of sea stars along the coast damn um so between that we don't have anything to actually look at like what's grazing in these kelp forests right. and then 
sea urchins have this massive boom just because it's the way that they spawn. Uh-huh. They just like have these huge spawning events that send out all this sperm and then sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't depending mm. on the conditions yeah. and it hits. They win the lottery and have nothing to keep it in check. They just and go hog wild on the kelp. Yeah, there's these urchin barons now because they just go on the seafloor and the annoying part uh-huh. <laughs> of it for me is like they're not they're uh, stupid little urchins <laughs> who are native like it's not yeah. it's it's a thing that is going right, to happen right. but when everything's out of balance right it's not the urchins fault it's but it the is they're fault. doing it <laughs> but they just like nibble off the hold fast which is the part that oh. holds these huge kelp uh, trees uh, essentially yeah i'm using so many words and that they're are just, just making a me, little bit of it they're, yeah they're just like trimming off the bottom and then, then it all floats up and then it washes away uh, um dude, that's so it's like, like someone who eats chicken wings and just takes a little bit and leaves so much of the goodness left or on just the bone. like eats the middle of a cinnamon roll <laughs> and then leaves yeah. the rest for somebody else and that was a middle school trauma experience. That was, that was <laughs> that a story told last time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And so now there's these just barren wastelands that wow. are crazy pictures. If you look up urchin oh barren, God. you'll see like this crazy difference of like all this wildlife in the ocean. And then it's just bleh, damn purple matte floor of all these little spiky creatures. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that was like big fear. I don't want that to happen. I'm scared. What can we do? There's some organizations on the Oregon coast that are in the sim in the same boat of uh-huh. like, I'm not gonna just sit around and fucking do nothing. Totally, like, it's happening right here yeah. in front of our eyes. Yeah. Where like down in Port Orford, you go out to the like famous um, dock out there. We're in dock. What are, what is it called? And there used to be all of these seaweeds like in these little coves. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, there's one. Or, wow. Or something. Yeah. So just to see that in my lifetime is really scary. Totally. And then in this fear, I'm like, okay, I want to know more about what's happening on the coast. Mm-hmm. And then I, seaweed is a very under researched under appreciated yeah <laughs> in my opinion yeah uh resource especially on like the western coasts where like a lot of people don't even know about any of these seaweeds sure but in so many other cultures including the ones in the pacific northwest yeah. that have been kind of wiped out of all education it's played the biggest role in really? like human existence wow. like like we have crop sort of deal almost kind of like, yeah so do tell uh in terms of the pacific northwest uh-huh. what's how do you what was the story that you were told of how humans got to the united states back in uh, back in it the day it was like the ice bridge like over the bering strait yeah and then slowly trickling down yeah i know there's some debate around that so now the debate is like completely switching because really? the dates of like human remains found oh. like down in Chile uh-huh. are way, way predate the, the bridge. So 
everybody, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> the a lot of communities are like, okay, that makes no sense. Right. So how did we get there? And the leading factor is that humans traveled to the Americas via boat. Right. Right. By leaning on the abundance that happens on these kelp forests. So it's called the kelp highway theory. Um, Because when you're just along the kelp highway, like right along the coast, all of these fish, all of these seals, like life is there. It's crazy abundant. Yeah. And it feels amazing to be around. And it just makes so much more sense. Um, so anyway, like kelp and seaweeds have been so intertwined with right. humans, not just in that story, but like also in so many other cultures that are close to the ocean, which yeah. are a majority. Right. Um, so I'd go out to the coast. I'd just be enthralled with all of these different things that I could learn. And totally. I'd like take a seaweed, take a picture of it. And then I'd go home to my books and like identify it. (laughs) And then I would go reverse engineer that and be like, okay, what am I interested in? Yeah. And 99% of seaweeds are edible to some extent. Yeah. It's like not going to hurt you. So, right. Right. Um, then I was like, okay, what are people around the world using these seaweeds to cook with and how do they use it to eat and what other you like what other things do they use it with um and then it just opened up into this like complete new world right of information that i could go pull from from ireland and scotland and africa and like chile and all these different places that everybody has their own uses for these seaweeds and I'm like, fuck, I want to try that. Yeah. That sounds that sounds awesome. <laughs> like I can make a f- fermented fertilizer out of seaweed that I find just like washed up on the coast. And turns out it works fucking amazing. Oh my like, god. I did a That's so cool. Yeah, I've done like different I have a picture I'll show you later uh-huh, of uh-huh. like a cilantro bed where I did half of it with seaweed or oh, seaweed fertilizer yeah. and the other half without. A little scientific and it was method, like, baby double that wow in terms of growth and i was like okay seaweed is awesome give me some of those nutrients of the sea come on i got you i I got a really gross tub in my backyard (laughs) that you can can pull from (laughs) wow that's awesome anyway um yeah so that kind of like started my uh, long story long story long yeah beautiful that's what Um, a podcast is for yeah that's how i got into seaweed and Uh i still am learning new things every single day right um and have tried in many ways like how can i incorporate this ecosystem into my life right now it's just more of a passion Mm -hmm. sure project but eventually i'd like to incorporate a little bit more um there are a couple, because I mean, also in Western culture, seaweed's not, yeah, seaweed's not crazy. Yeah. It's not, it's not something that people are just like really wanting to find totally, or like go totally. get or even know about. And so that, that part blows my mind to where somebody is like, Austin really likes seaweed. He knows a ton about it. And then I have done enough of the education yeah. to know, 
that to I know, know how little you know. I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, you got that Dunning Kruger effect or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people are like, uh, so like our like Aaron, she's yeah. like, you should come in and talk about the Kelp Highway. <laughs> like, I have no clue what I'd be talking about. I am also in no way certified to do teach like, children this. Teach yeah. one, teach children yeah. two about anything scientific. <laughs> I, I have an advertising manager. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just understand people right. and what makes them tick, and that's kind of my thing. Um, I just happen to also really like yeah. the coast and seaweed. Um, and yeah, now seaweed's been uh I use seaweed every day. That's I put really cool. This is, Do you wanna, tell. Yeah, you what are your something favorite embarrassing? Ways? Yes. Something yes. super embarrassing. <laughs> Please. I put seaweed in my hair. Whoa. Yeah. What it's how we kind talking? Of, it's kind of been the <laughs> ultimate thing that like keeps this you've seen my middle school hair oh i remember it yeah oh yeah it's poofy it's poofy it's real real poofy poofy. (laughs) um and you know i'm out on the coast and i'm getting in the water and it's cold as hell and i get out and i feel good and then my hair also looks good damn and like why don't i just do that yeah and so (laughs) what have you been doing like (laughs) i like make this brine mixture oh my god with seaweed and then like uh or with uh wakame yeah and it has a gelling agent like all a lot of people associate seaweed with slime yeah totally. i mean it does produce a mucus sure and actually the the mucus that is produced from a lot of kelps are the same gelling agents that they use for like band-aids because oh. it's very similar to, to the gelling mucus that skin produces interesting so that's why it's like okay they use that. i can see that yeah Kel- seaweeds in everything yeah if you can Whoa. tell i can probably point to everything and be like <laughs> seaweeds in that um and so in my hair mixture yeah <laughs> i put salt i put like a frond of kelp that makes it a little bit more yeah. jelly-ish yeah. and some essential oils. So I smell kind of funky and fresh. Damn. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> You're out I, here DIYing some seaweed hair product. Yeah, I got That's I got awesome. I put seaweed on everything. <laughs> I love that. It's cool sometimes. And then other people are like, Oh man, that's a little too far. That one's a little too far for me. <laughs> now nah, you're embracing it. That is, that's awesome. Because there's the there's one essence. there's one company that I follow uh-huh. that's up in BC. Yeah, and um, BC has a lot of really cool companies that are like small yeah. batch crafts companies made with kelp. And one is like a, a big part of seaweeds benefits uh-huh. come in cosmetics so this company makes biolubricants ah, amazing <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> that's and, awesome yeah i haven't gotten that far yeah yet <laughs> yet <laughs> we'll see totally we'll see i'm sure time will tell yeah but. i mean just that instead of fucking like petroleum based shit yeah like there's i mean amazing. it's just a natural way to, to yeah. go about it baby right. Well, and it seems too like in order if if the goal is to like utilize more seaweed and more kelp in things, 
yeah. that's another way to like, okay, we need to boost the ecosystem so that we can take from it. And that might be an incentive to totally. like help that. Because I know like oysters in like New York, it's a similar thing where they've made a, yeah. they've started yeah. to make a rebound. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause growing kelp as humans from ropes, which is like now becoming a much larger uh-huh. um, industry. Uh huh. It's 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 pretty popular. Not popular is a relative <laughs> word. <laughs> it, it's it's taken off a lot more in Maine and New York. Oh, cool. Um, and it's usually accompanied with like oyster farming or some sort of shellfish farming, yeah. like mussel farming. Right. And because it does, it it draws down carbon. It uh cools the water, cleans it out because seaweed is like a huge sponge. Oh my which gosh! In some places. I know there is this one project down in California where they started to farm seaweed at the mouth of this river that was just filled with t- like terrible stuff. Damn. And so they would have the seaweed there and it would just soak up all of those toxins. Wow. And wow. Uh, that's like a way to remediate against pollution. Sure. And then also like if we're eating it or if we're just taking up as much as possible it's we're not putting any fresh water in mm-hmm. it's adding benefit to the ecosystem around it yep so if we're being if we're able to like farm it and not just suck it off the coast right. where it's naturally going to be yeah then we're adding benefit to that For ecosystem real. so if you are I'm gonna let's see. Let's what are some products out there that add benefit yeah. to the environment? Um, Twelve Tides is a kelp puffed kelp chip. Puffed uh, kelp chip. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It's made with farmed kelp out in Maine. Cool. And then it's shipped out to San Francisco uh-huh. from these like classic tech kids, <laughs> yep, <laughs> and then classic. they made a made a kelp chip out of it. And even like flying uh-huh. a product across the country and like taking that carbon footprint into it is uh-huh. like way better than meat. Wow. Like any sort of meat. Sure. Because I mean, it's, yeah, zero input. Um, and then you're getting a ton of seaweed in one right. shipment. So that's right. pretty much all you're doing. And then you have the small distribution that's, I mean, if you're splitting up food versus one trailer it's it's nominal but um yeah buy buy seaweed products get the get the demand up so then people will buy more but there's also Mm. other things that because it's so under researched or well known in western culture Uh like the nori seaweed oh sure stuff sure love those oh my god love them but (laughs) (laughs) do tell like again you'd have no idea where it's being grown so like again it's absorbing all of those toxins right so and then it also absorbs anything else that they're putting in it because sometimes there are like i guess quote fertilizers that they put on them right we're Um, just kind of getting the factory farms version of nori a little bit yeah um and it was really cool because Erin again, when yeah. she was out in Japan yeah, and I went out and visited her. Oh, awesome. And then 
we're going out to all these restaurants and stuff. Yeah. And seaweed is just so ingrained in Japanese culture. Oh, totally. To where it's like 10% of their diet. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. In comparison to us, like if we had 10% of our diet over here, it'd be right. so much better. Yeah, there's so much nori and dashi just in like everything. Everything, yeah. They use seaweed in so many different ways and also have different names for different yeah. seaweeds. Like even the same seaweed can have a different name because it's aged in a different way. It's right. used for a different thing. Right. And to have that kind of relationship that we like we clearly used to have mm -hmm. like out here would be so cool. Um, what was, I have so many, yeah. I should really well, start writing down all the studies all the different ones. Uh -huh. that I read. Um, cause then I just sound like an idiot <laughs> pulling, <laughs> well, pulling this out of my ass. That's also podcasting and, it, well, and just the way that I go through life remembering <laughs> yeah. things I read once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but confidently. Confidently. <laughs> I do know that people do this and did this in Japan as well. Yeah. Where, uh, People would put out sticks out into the coast mm -hmm. and just like dig them into the sand or yeah. dig them into rocks as far as they could. And uh, it was in strategic places where nori would grow, like uh, here. Uh huh. Because like it's a similar variation of the nori that grows in Japan. Yeah. And nori was highly used here as a food. Right. Um, and so they put out these sticks and that was like the first version of seaweed farming. Whoa. Because it would just be in the right place where it attract. And they're like, I know every time at this year, this is where their seaweed's going to go. And so then they just grabbed that stick. Wow. Afterwards. Yeah. Huh. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I um I think the one seaweed. Oh, I had a couple seaweed products here. I had like the kelp granules. That's like a salt replacement. I yeah. just got somewhere random. And then also that. one of the uh, hot sauces from the Alaskan company. It's like Alaskan yeah. bullet or something. <laughs> I eat that on sardines. Ooh. It's so good. Put Just it like on getting that seafood. Everything. Yeah. And what he's referring to is Barnacle Foods. Barnacle Foods yes, is a great it. company up in Alaska. They mm -hmm. also do wild foraging. I think they're starting to source some from the, from the, from the, from the, kelp farms up there uh-huh but that's actually made with bull kelp uh bull kelp seaweed right which, which that's like the thick one right yeah that one actually like because they make like the they make like pickled like kelp pickles right they make the pickles yeah. too seaweeds should be on everything it's man. so cool it's so, it's so cool. unbelievably great um barnacle foods is a really really cool company um i like their <laughs> coming from the advertising person i like the branding a lot yeah totally <laughs> it's really awesome um and then it's kind of sad maybe it's not sad i just i want to be i want to turn all of these voices up to 11 that yeah. i really love i'm like i want barnacle foods to be like main stage yeah. and then like that main uh, kelp granule kelp chips. thing. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, the that you have mm -hmm. is just like a really cool family operation. Really in Maine. Wow, that's just like handed down because yeah. I mean Mainards are also crazy yep. like us Oregonians. Yep. <laughs> and the Portland connection. Yeah, the Portland connection is very <laughs> it's to its roots. <laughs> and there's so many cool people up in Maine. I'd love to go out there and actually meet. The people yeah. that I've read all these stories about. Right. That'd be really neat. Um, 
God, I'm such a fangirl. <laughs> it's great. But it's like, yeah, I want I want these people to succeed and I want all of these organizations to be main stage, main stage. So if I can do anything to make that happen, yeah. that's cool. So that's like why originally I started the Selkie Sea Goods passion yes, project. Yes. Yeah, Tell I, us a little I more about that. Said anything about that because it, I have not done anything on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a while back when I was working for Jacobson Sea Salt and I had a little bit more time on my hands uh, and like both mentally and physically and yeah. emotionally. Sure. And so I had a little bit more time for my passion projects. It's like, okay, I'm going to start this. And then I left Jacobson Salt and got a different job. And now it's not that way anymore. So um, I'd like to get back to it. Yeah. But the purpose of it was just to like give myself a space to totally voice all of this passion and then also provide another space to where I could elevate other voices, even though it's like my 100 followers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But hey, the, the seed is planted. The, you, yeah. you planted that little anchor at the bottom. Now you just got to keep the sea urchins away. I do, Let the yeah. kelp grow. Yeah, I uh, grabbed some sea urchins the other day <laughs> um, from Fort Orford, uh, and we're gonna make some. I just saw this like really cool arts and craftsy thing where people are making uh, jellyfish out of them with air plants sticking out of their butts. So cool. Well, actually, their mouths. Yeah. It's their mouths. <laughs> but then you hang them, and it looks like a hanging jellyfish, and it's pretty cute. Oh my god. Um. So that's fun. I yeah. don't know. I just like to do stuff with the sea, and that's that's a thing. No. So if you want to follow my Instagram, yeah, you I can. Will, I will share it when I share this uh, podcast. Silky Sea Goods. I can't promise you that I'm going to post anything soon. <laughs> <laughs> but follow now because when it blows up in the kelp revolution. Yeah, it's it's about to be one of the early hitters that's uh, been in the market for ages. There you go. Just, there you go. <laughs> just squatting on this. <laughs> <laughs> on this uh, Instagram handle because I don't have anything else to it. Yep. I think, no, I, I do have an email because it's actually been kind of useful to, because when I first started doing it uh -huh. and I was at Jacobson Salt, yeah. uh, I had a lot of the relationships in the Portland like food industry. Oh, cool. And so I have, I have a series of products that like I could potentially sell in terms of like seasonings, uh, protein bars, chips, different recipes that yeah i could kind of crank out so originally i was gonna try and do that and get it to my friends and see how sure. it went but so that's when i was using my email and i was like contact because nice. i because i couldn't do it with my personal email and contact like these food uh -huh. vendors and they're like <laughs> what's your llc <laughs> and what's your website and like double checking all this is, stuff is and i was like barsa boy <laughs> yeah still my same aim name <laughs> can't use that one anymore so i do have the email hell yeah uh for more professional experiences nice yeah yeah i'm excited this turn out and then yeah in a few years when the slobcore media empire has grown like we can definitely do some collabs totes i'll let you cater a full seafood thing maybe gala if you want oh that'd be so cool yeah so i'll make sure to get these promises in writing uh, i'll have <laughs> yeah. my people get to your people <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a lot of people <laughs> in the seaweed industry <laughs> yep 
Yeah. Uh, you can pretty much contact anybody in the seaweed industry. I have bothered them. Ah, I love that, dude. I have bothered the you're, you're shit getting it. out of them. Yeah. Except I, I can't say that. Like everybody, sure. everybody that is interested in this is so small yeah. and passionate. There's like, <laughs> there's like maybe a handful on the West Coast that are will have a conversation about yeah. this yeah. with me. <laughs> um, and like, for instance, uh, this friend out at the coast who I got to know through Jacobson Salt, who yeah. she would, she's a seaweed farmer out at the coast cool. and grows seaweed in tanks Whoa. from Oregon Seaweed Company. And <laughs> she originally, when we got their seaweed to make some furikake, uh-huh. we had to grind it in house. Yeah. And it is the nastiest job <laughs> to grind up all of that dried seaweed because oh. it just turns into this fine powder. Oh my God. And then takes up the entire room yeah. with smoke. And we had it in the back corner. <laughs> I might, I, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this. <laughs> I don't know if this is a work safe thing <laughs> um, yeah, uh, or an OSHA thing. Parody, parody. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, it was yeah. a miserable experience. Some yeah. people were like, I'm going to quit if you make me do this again. <laughs> and then the next year, sorry, Lana, it got passed on to her mm -hmm. to grind it from her wherever she could, Yeah, which I think she, she did it, it at in. her house. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. Lana. Like we had people almost quit over yeah. trying to grind the seaweed yeah. up. Anyway, she's one of the like few people uh, on the West Coast that uh -huh. I can connect with. And she just did like a seaweed panel and there's this one person. Ooh. Yeah, she, uh, I don't really actually remember what the event was, but it was down in Newport at the aquarium. Uh-huh. Great aquarium. And uh, there is this one author uh, who has this amazing book and has done so much research and just the general state of seaweed uh -huh. in the u.s and makes all of these beautiful uh seaweed prints and she got a picture and like got to talk with her and be with her uh -huh. and although like i'm sure the panel wasn't like too big she was geeking out over oh it and i was God. like i am so <laughs> i'm fuming <laughs> I am absolutely fuming that you just got to meet her Great. and then talk with her. And oh my God. Like they went, cause Alana also teaches like these uh, seaweed ID and foraging classes. Ooh, cool. Out of the coast. Here, um, I guess I'm pitching. Yeah, I'm pitching a lot of stuff. Shout it out. Uh, Shifting Tides Pacific North PNW. Shifting I think. Tides Shifting PNW. Tides, yeah. Go to one of her classes. Heck She's yeah. an awesome person. Um, and I'll link it in the bio. Uh. Yeah, I would. I haven't taken a, one of her classes, yeah. but I would love to. Yeah. Um, she's, I think she's a marine biologist by very cool by technical trade. Very um, cool. Going to Hatfield, I, I, I might be fucking that up. I'm sorry. That um, sounds right. But anyway, uh, yeah, she's one of the few close people. Another person that I got in contact yeah. with that has been. This has been my claim to fame yeah, totally. in the community <laughs> was um, when tell. I was working at Jacobson, I was making a pitch yeah. to like make a different sector of, of uh, the company essentially. Cause yeah. we have 
we had salt, we had honey. And I was like, why don't we make it the Holy Trinity and also do uh, seaweed as right. well? Because we're on the bay. Yeah. Sea salt. Fits in with the branding. Fits in. And like honey is not, I don't know if it's necessarily a regenerative crop, but it does help bring life to yeah. the crops around it. Yeah. And same with seaweed. Like it helps the oysters that are in Neetarts Bay. It helps sure. all the shellfish in there because it, again, brings down the temperature and filters out a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that's in the bay, even though it's the clean one of the cleanest bays on the West Coast. But Hell yeah. Anyway, uh, I reached out to a guy, uh-huh. Dr. Tom Mumford. Dr. Tom Mumford? I think, I think his it, reputation precedes him. Dude, his, his uh, Twitter name is Captain Kelp. Captain Kelp. I love that. I love that. When I found that out, I was oh like, this, this guy's cool. Yeah. And with, with a K, Captain. Yeah, nice. Captain with a K. Nice. Um, anyway... I was like, okay, how do we do nori farming uh-huh. in this bay? Because I also took a bunch of classes of like, how do you farm seaweed? Um, mostly kelp, and none of them taught any other forms of seaweed on right. how to farm it. Interesting. Uh, nori is a part of the red seaweed family, which is different from the brown seaweed hmm. family, where kelps are in that category. Gotcha. Um, so they reproduce differently. And... He was, I think, has been the only person to actually try and farm nori really in the U.S. Wow. so far. And back in the '80s, uh, he started a project up in the Puget Sound. I think out of Anacortes or nice. somewhere up there. Anyway, had these nets out there, got all the information down from japan and then tried it up here and was like we're gonna be the premium nori distributor in in um washington and the u.s anyway it was successful and they did it wow but it got shut down just because people are like we don't want that in our just classic nimby like don't want that in our backyard uh, kind of thing so it got shut down by dang public people right goddamn public yep (laughs) And uh, so I contacted him. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I have this idea. Ooh. Would you help me with it? Yeah. And out of the kindness of his heart, because he's also like a consultant for all of these things. Like he's one of the leading people. Sure. Gets money. This is how he like lives. Right. Is to consult on people on how to farm seaweed and stuff like that. Sure. I'm like, I'm just a young boy. <laughs> Please help me. And he sent me everything that he had pretty Whoa. much from the 80s that he could get onto his laptop. <laughs> and so like there's a bunch of pictures that he sent me from the 80s. Oh my gosh. And uh, was just so incredibly supportive. And yeah. he's like, I really hope this works. Keep in contact. Sorry, I've not kept in contact. Because um, <laughs> after that, I was just like, I don't have anything else. Because, yep. I mean, it wasn't going to work. Right. It, it would work. Cool idea. Physically. Right. They but just in terms, ready to do it, again, yeah. you have to work with people yeah. and like make things happen. Yeah. And then money comes into that. Yep. And then that's a, another difficult that's a bit little deal. beyond your purview. Yeah. Um, I think it'd still work. I sure. think it'd make money. Yeah. But you still have to get convince a bunch of people who have no no buy-in they're like i don't 
want to do that. Yeah, sure. Going to make sure. me like pennies on the dollar rather than if I just keep cranking out oysters or whatever. Uh huh. And also those people, those people. <laughs> oh no! Like this is actually the part that I hate and love about yeah, like coastal culture uh-huh. is the saltiness of it. Yeah, I fucking love when people are just like fuck off and do not talk to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like hell yeah, yeah. Won't do that. <laughs> I'm all about it because I also feel that way a lot of times as well. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, but then you're like, hey, here's this really cool new idea. And they're like, fuck oh. off. And I'm like, okay, yeah, my bad. Whoops. That's uh, his downside. There's two sides of the coin on yep, that one. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Salty dogs out at the coast <laughs> who I, I dearly love. <laughs> and soon the, they'll they'll get on board. The seaweed, the, the seaweed, wave's coming. Yeah. The wave is coming. <laughs> yeah, after this podcast, we're starting the big one. And <laughs> yeah. the tsunami is coming. <laughs> Shit, I just felt a shake. Uh oh. Dude, do you I I think I feel the big one all the time. I'll like feel a little shakier. I'll be leaning back on a chair and like shake a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's it. I think about it yeah. maybe every day. Yeah. It's one of the fun extra existential dreads in the Pacific Northwest that we have. I think that's why <laughs> that's that might be one of the sources uh-huh. of why I'm like a back to the lander kind of person. Cause I'm <laughs> yeah. like the big one's going to hit and we're only going to have the land. Yeah. So we're going to have <laughs> nothing else. It's just going to be like these islands in Portland and right. all of society is going to fall for like a couple of years. Yep. And yeah. Yep. Might as well start foraging now. <laughs> I might be part of the reason I have so much rice and beans in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you have the big Costco bag of rice? Costco rice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a good way to go. Uh huh. Um, yeah. No, that I do remember back in Jackson. I think it was Mr. Michael. I think that was a teacher. No, some some teacher was like telling us about the earthquake, and he was like, "Oh yeah, Jackson, because it's a brick building. Yeah, when the big one hits, all of the mortar in the bricks Crumble. is going to liquefy. Yeah, and this thing's just going down. Bye bye. And so that's what I thought about." Every single day I was at now middle school. I can't live in a brick building. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. yeah. It's so funny how that's one of the unifying West Coast. I know. Like yeah. stories is yeah. like, the, when's the big one happening? Totally. And right, what, what's your plan for the big one? <laughs> in some ways, it's like so big and terrifying that like you can't even really wrap your mind around it. And in some ways, I like that because I have like friends who grew up um, like southern tip of Texas on the coast, yeah, and they have like hurricanes every other year. Like so many times, he had to board up his windows and they have to like hide away. Yeah, and, and like at least this thing is like maybe it's gonna happen. Yeah, in our lifetimes, it's crazy. People still live in Florida. Yeah, yeah, or in Louisiana, oh like in these outskirts where it just gets flooded, and they're like, "Yep, yeah, this is just what we do." Yep, we go through these crazy climate events. Mm-hmm. And or I guess is it a weather event or a climate event? Anyway, yeah. semantics. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. Yep. And Meteorolo- meteorological. And they're just like, this is part of life. Right. And we just flood our basement every single year and we lose things uh-huh. and people die and uh-huh. yeah, it's normal. Yep. And now the volume's getting turned up. That's like it's interesting actually talking to you about this stuff because I was a chemistry and biology major. Yeah. And I like work in chemistry. And partially because like all the biology stuff right now is like, oh shit, climate change. Just doom and All gloom. All this doom and yeah. gloom. And yeah. Uh, but I also think it's so fascinating. And like, there are, there's things of hope and like 
going towards sustainability. And so I think that's like a really cool part of the whole seaweed thing. Totally. I mean, I think that's kind of part of it is that like I'm I've I've been so fixated on doom and gloom. Yeah. That yeah. I'm like, fuck it, I don't wanna do something totally and seaweed's my sum. I yeah. think like everybody could be a voice for the thing that they yep. find yep. in life. That's just like be a voice for something else. Totally. Um Seaweed's my something else. Hell yeah. I think eating and dinner and hanging out with friends is mine. Totally. <laughs> and like, uh, that's something that is absolutely needed. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I think, parts of like being a human that mm-hmm. needs to have a voice. And there's also parts of like being a human in nature yeah. that also need to have a voice because, I don't know, you have your friends who are beekeepers. Like, mm-hmm. they need to have their thing and then everybody just like pick pick something in your backyard and be like that's I'm championing that one yeah no I think that's super good and I mean it's clear just how passionate you are about this and like I I feel like a lot for me going through school and stuff it was just like uh sorry I think I just snorted into the mic <laughs> without <laughs> I just I've had the mic in my face this entire time and then I just had some like phlegm in my nose and it was just like this is what we do yeah <laughs> Sometimes, well, I, I started. I my first episode of this podcast was with Evan and Lennon. We went to Pizza Jerk, and we did a review of it. And we started by just burping into the mic for like forty seconds, <laughs> which is honestly so dumb because people hate like weird noise and stuff. My friend Jeremy said like it was so hard, but he kept it. And he listened through the rest of it. But, <laughs> so this is a pro weird mouth noise podcast you do you it, it you do it at the end though i think we've learned <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that was you rope strategic. them in and then you, go, <laughs> you just really get it. them <laughs> where's <sighs> the where's the phlegm yeah <laughs> yeah my phlegm production's a little low these days you know that's a, a good thing i have a beer and then my mine is through the roof <laughs> yeah i have a full glass of milk and mine's going crazy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah this has been this awesome has been great, this dude. has been like I'm sure we could just keep going on and on yeah, like it's yeah. dark now. Yeah, I think, well, I think we're probably at like an hour and a half if I had to guess. I haven't checked the time. Damn. But, uh, including yeah. like on the second battery or on I think the total. First? Total? Total. Yeah. We'll see. Well, let me, I can look at it right now. Turn on light. Oh, I can't look at it. Just, oh, yeah, this is 49 minutes. I think we went yeah, at we least 30 before. Definitely had that. This is great, man. Do you have any parting thoughts for me or for yourself or for the listeners? Or for the spirits of all the seaweed and kelp on this mm. beautiful planet that we share. Man, I wish I had something prepared for this. <laughs> really give me, give me like, give, okay, here um, you can cut this part out. I'm gonna, uh-huh. I'm gonna be in. Uh, I'm gonna we sit in the seaweed, thinking and sitting profoundly. I don't know. That's a that's a yeah. tough one. What would I like want people? What's the core? Yeah. I mean, you've really just given it all. It's you don't need to tie it up. In I one can. Bow. The thing is, I can. I can go on and on about <laughs> <Yeah>. like other <laughs> weird things that I've looked up in uh-huh. terms of like studies and drop. Drop one of the weirdest or more most fascinating studies. Just let's end this with just a crazy little fun fact. Ah, uh, I don't. I don't. That's. It doesn't I, have to okay. be the funnest fact. So I'm on the dating apps and stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. 
and I've mentioned on on my like profile. Uh, like yes. I'm into seaweed and coastal ecosystems. Uh-huh. And then everybody's like, drop me a tell me a fun fact. <laughs> I'm like, I don't you're not it's not gonna be that fun. I <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's just like a bio it's a right. biology fact. It's not that fun. Right, right. It's about um <laughs> and even the one that is like kinda has a winky face, uh-huh. I guess, is yeah. like that uh kelp was one of the first organisms on the planet to sexually reproduce. Wow. So you could say that yeah. kelp invented sex. Wow. I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> That's a fun one. Uh, yeah, you can use that on your yeah. Tinder or Hinge or Bumble. On my dating apps. I have a friend who really knows about seaweed, and, and I can tell you it doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't, you, you drop that fact, and they're like, "Nope, that guy's weird." <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, they all end on that. Nice, beautiful, awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks.